Thank you, Brother Ulysses, and praise the Lord, everybody. And you have done that this evening. You have lifted him up in praise. Thank you, praise team, for helping to usher us into the presence of the Lord here on this midweek service, Tuesday evening. Some of you drove probably a long ways through probably a lot of traffic. I don't know how you do it. Anybody get on 210 today? My goodness. Wow. That's hurry up and wait. You just, I don't know. Have you ever figured out why they call it rush hour traffic? You know, it should be slow hour. Um, okay, I hope to go a little deeper in that tonight. Uh, the cup's up here and the juice. You're probably thinking, communion tonight, but you're also probably thinking only four or five cups. That could be a problem for some of us, but um, that's not what we're doing tonight. I want to just give you a visual, and we're going to jump into this and hopefully leave something with you to just kind of think about in your journey, your walk with God. We have enjoyed being here Thank you for your hospitality uh, to us, and we give honor to Pastor and Sister Brown, which happens to be my son-in-law, my daughter, uh, in case there's any visitors here. I am honored and privileged to call them that, and uh, they, are, they, along with you, teamed up together and with God at the head, uh, doing a great work for God right here in this Metroplex area. No shortage of people here. And uh, so we give honor to them and trust that they are enjoying themselves, um, but not too much. We want them to come home. Amen. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter number 6. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. And thank you, Brother Ulysses. You've been very, very kind and helpful with whatever we need here tonight. All right. And um, Life Church has a great future ahead of it. And uh, of course, the foundation being laid and has been laid for many, many years. And I give honor to some of you older saints that have been here for a long, long time and just kind of, kind of made it work all these years and now ready to reap the harvest that God is uh, is going to send in these last days. Amen. How many believe we're in the last days? Yes. Certainly we are. All right, book of Exodus, chapter 6, 1 through 8, and um, we'll begin reading there. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Now, for you that are not familiar with the background of this scripture setting, uh, it is the children of Israel that were in Egyptian bondage, and they were crying out for a deliverer because they were made slaves in Egypt, taken there because of their transgressions, so they were in captivity. So now God is raising up a deliverer by the name of Moses, who was a type of Christ, to bring them out of the land of Egypt. 
And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my name Jehovah uh, was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. God made a covenant way back. He said, I, I remember my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with, an out, with, with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into, in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Now, just a little side line here. That's why Israel is in, is in, um, in their homeland tonight because God promised them back before this, well, right here, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to put you in a land and that's going to be your inheritance. So it does not belong to the Arabs. It belongs to the Israelis. And God has established them there. And so that's what the dispute and all this is going to be about and is about in the last days here. All right. Um, now, let me, uh, let me talk to you just a moment, give a little background about four cups. We might have it on the screen as well uh, if we're able to bring that up. And um, this is a little um, mini-series that I did at home recently. And actually, I don't mean to scare you, but this is, this is four weeks that I'm going to condense down into a very, very short time frame here tonight. And my apologies, I, I just, I think I went a little long Sunday, I'll try not to do that tonight. Um, but uh, here, I, I want you to notice that we have four cups, salvation, deliverance, redemption, and praise. Now, the scripture that I have read to you here tonight goes back to a commemoration called the Passover. Now, when God used Moses and brought them out of the land of Egypt or out of the land of bondage, then he said, he said um, from now on, I want you to speak unto your children and to your children's children from generation to generation forever and remember what I have done for you this night. And so the Bible says the death angel came over and through the land of Egypt there was not one house where there was not one dead from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits on the throne to the maidservant that is behind the mill. Not one house where there was not one dead. The eldest was killed. And the only way that they could survive and did survive was in the land of Goshen, which was close part of the uh, Egyptian dynasty, 
that uh, if they were in their houses on that night and they had taken the lamb and slain the lamb and took the, the blood and put it on the doorpost, top of the door on the three sides, and the, and the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So a Hebrew child or young person had to be home in the house covered by the blood when the death angel came through and brought judgment to Egypt, typifying that when Jesus comes back again to this world, we better be in the church and under the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? So here the Lord said um, in our passage of Scripture, we're going, uh, well, let me, let me just finish my thought. So every year for thousands of years, ever since that Passover, the Jews commemorate the Passover every year. That's why we have communion as well. But the Passover was commemorated with a meal called the Seder, the Seder. Now, the Seder is done every year. It's done annually, and they have a meal, but at that meal, there are four cups. There are four cups, and they take of these cups, and it is a commemoration, a remembrance from generation to generation of salvation, deliverance, redemption, and praise, and that's what I want to talk about tonight, and here are the four cups in this passage of Scripture. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. Everybody say, I will bring you out. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you, let's say I, I will rid you, out of their bondage, and I will redeem you, redeem with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, and I will take you. So we have four things to commemorate here in sequential order. And that is that I will bring you out and I will rid you of them. I will redeem you and I will take you. So every year when the Jews sat down with their generation after generation and pass it on down, they are celebrating the Passover and they must drink from these four cups and say, we remember how the Lord with an outstretched arm brought us out of the land of Egypt. So they take these four cups. These are symbolic. It's not just for the children of Israel, but there is a very, very strong typology here. And that typology is given to us, and um, let me just look here for a moment, um, as this, all right? Let's, let's look at the cup of salvation. Now, this is... The, him bringing them out of Egypt. Remember, the coming through the Red Sea, getting them out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. So we're going to apply that in a little bit to our salvation. When we come out of the world and we come into the church, then, then we pass through the waters of baptism, which is the Red Sea. That's why baptism that you did Sunday is essential. The, the Israelis could not go to Canaan unless they went through the Red Sea, through the water, okay, and under the cloud. 
Now, uh, that, was, that was salvation. That was God bringing them out of Egypt. Now, the next step is that when he said, when I bring you out of Egypt, uh, he went on and, and uh, talked to them and said, let me find the verse here, number six, I'm sorry, number seven, uh, number six, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will rid you of their bondage, not just, not just in a physical sense of leaving the country of Egypt and going to Canaan, but I'm going to rid you in your mind I'm going to free you in your mind of everything that you experienced in your bondage in Egypt. That's why that when we come into the church and we're born again, God not only brings us in through repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, bringing us, bringing us out of, of Egypt, but now the next thing he's got to do not only get us out of Egypt, but he's got to get Egypt out of us. And so now he's, we start this process every day in our walk with God that, uh, that we remember the deliverance that he gives to us in our spirit and in our mind and in our life. Now, we are moving forward in this as we next come to uh, to the, the next cup that we're talking about here. And it says they would now have to discover their purpose in life. Now, redemption has to do not with just salvation. We use that term sometimes very loosely and say we're redeemed where we are, but not just from the world and sin. But now there is a redeeming back of everything that we lost. And so God is saying to the Jews in Israel, um, I have brought you out and I have rid you from them, but now I'm going to give you back everything you lost. So that's a principle that when we come into the church, God not just brings us out of the world and out of sin and rids us uh, uh, in these things, but now he's going to start restoring back to us things that the devil had taken from us. And that's a wonderful, wonderful blessing and promise that we have in God. Aren't you glad for that? That, that? that the devil can take nothing from us but what God restores back to us. It may not be in the exact same way, but it, he's going to, to give back to us. He's going to restore us and renew us. And then after we come through that redemption, and then we come to the cup of praise. Uh, and the cup of praise is finding our place in the kingdom of God, uh, launching into a life of service, not just discovering our purpose. That's cup number three, redemption. We're saying, now I've discovered what God wants to do for me. Now in our church, I don't know what you do here, but we, we go through these classes and this shape profile, and we determine what your strengths are, what your uh, giftings are, and so forth. And then we, we start Finding people say, okay, now your gifting is administration. Now, we're going to help you de to develop these administrative gifts. And so we have classes for people moving through, not just one 
Ulysses, but now others are going to step in and, and being trained. And then you may have different gifts than he has. Maybe your gift is soul winning or teaching Bible studies or prayer or whatever. And so there's this process now of learning and growing and finding your purpose in God. Did you know everybody has a ministry in the church? And if you have not discovered and found your ministry, then you need to be getting with the leadership of this church and saying, I want to find my purpose. I want to know what my strengths are, my abilities are, my talents are, and I want, I want help developing that. And not only do you, do you need to find your place. Now, God has not called you just to sit on a pew. He's not called you just to watch from the sidelines. This is not a spectator event. This is participation by everybody, and, and some people say, well, I can't do anything. I, I don't know if I belong. I, I don't know what I can do. I, I can't really do much. Everybody has gifts. Everybody is different. Everybody has something they can do that you and only you can do unless you refuse to do it, and then God will find somebody else to do it. But God has placed these giftings in our lives. Why? Not to, you say, well, I'm a carpenter, or I'm, a, I'm an accountant, or I'm a uh, whatever. Uh, and these are all abilities, but your primary purpose in life is not to go work on a job and make a lot of money and then check out at the end of life with a fat bank account. The purpose in life is, can you affect this world for the cause of God? Can you use your giftings and your talents and your abilities and say, God, at the end of the day, when I stand before you, I want, I want, to, I want to hear you say, well done. Because he gives us these giftings and talents, and he says, now, here, I'm going to give you these. And I want you to put them to use. Put them to usury, because when I come back, I want you to take that one talent, and I want you to invest it. I want a good return on my investment. It's not going to be like the man in the Bible says, well, God, I knew that you was, were a hard and difficult man, and I just I was afraid, and so I took my talent, and I hid it in a napkin. And, and, and here it is, God, at the judgment day. I've saved it. I've still got it. And God's going to be very displeased with that person. And he says in his word, take that talent from that man and give it to the one that had two or three or four or five talents because God is, expects a return on his investment that he has placed into our lives. Amen. All right, what are, you, what are you doing with the talents and the giftings that God has given to you? Are you investing them or are you just bearing them and say, well, I, I got saved back there several years ago and I'm going to be saved at the end of the day. God's not interested in just that. He wants to know what you've done, how many you've won to God, how much, how much witnessing you've done, how many Bible studies, how much encouragement, how much of this and that have you done for his kingdom because when he comes back, he's going to say, I want to see what you've done with what I gave you. Now, Moving on here, uh, we find that, um, that, that God is saying here, I don't want you just to discover your giftings and your talents, but now uh, cup number four is I want you to know how to use them. And so the Bible talks about having your senses exercised by reason of use. That's like somebody that is a, a weightlifter, a bodybuilder. Your muscles don't get toned up by just going to the gym and looking at the weights. I mean, I wish it worked that way. I'd, I'd be in great shape. But it just, it just doesn't. And so having your senses exercised 
by reason of use. You, you use your gifts. You use your touch, your abilities. Well, I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. It's better to try and fail than not to try at all. Because when you keep trying, there's where you hone your talents, your gifts, and your abilities. And pretty soon, you're going to get really good at it. Really good at it. And I, I, I don't want to just belabor the point here, but uh, I remember several years ago, I like to hunt. I like to bird hunt. And so many years ago, uh, I used to go with this guy, get in a, a covey of quail, and they'd come up and scare me half to death. And, and I thought you just had to fill the air up with buckshot, or not buckshot, but birdshot. They'd run into it, and you'd just blast away, and you'd get several. But he said, but every time a bird got up, he'd, he'd drop the bird. And I went through box after box trying to get on. But finally, one day, it clicked, and I got on, and, 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 uh, and I can hit them now, you know, at least I could. So anyway, uh, what happens is you keep trying it. If you don't succeed at first, but you what? how do you know what your gifting is and your talent is? It's something, number one, you're going to be passionate about. You're going to love to do it. You want to do it. And then number two, you're going to be good at it. Maybe not as good as you could be, uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James or whoever. They didn't get, they weren't as good on the first day as they are now. They had to start out somewhere and they had to develop their talents and their giftings and their abilities to get to where they are. That's the same way with us in church and using our abilities for God. Don't be afraid to use them. Sunday, I, I just kind of picked up in my spirit that some of you were afraid to get in and pray with other people because you were afraid that maybe you would hinder them or you were afraid that you would make a mistake. Can I, can I tell you something? Um, and don't take this wrong, but... I don't work the altars very much at our church because, because through the years, I've found out that many people want buy-in. They want to be a part. And so I've developed leaders and prayer warriors and altar workers, and I know you have too, but they just, boom, they move in on these people and they pray them through. And I'm, I'm watching for things that I need to watch for and new people and so forth. And so that's what I'm, I would like to encourage you. Don't be, be back on like on Sunday and if you've got guests, which you're going to have visitors and hungry people like you had Sunday, don't just sit back and say, well, I'll let somebody else do it. I'm afraid that if I touch them, then, then it's going to mess them up or if I say something. No, you, having your senses exercised by reason of use. Get in and develop those skills and have somebody train you. Get in your training classes. Go through them and say, well, and it's not just that, but a Bible study. I've had people say, well, I can't teach a Bible study. Well, nobody can to start with. But, you know, you say, well, I would really like to, and I'd really like to win a soul, and I'd like to be able to really know the Bible. You know what? Get in and do it. Go with somebody that knows how to do it. Watch them train. And that's across the board with whatever you want to do for the kingdom of God and keep it moving because God is not just interested in bringing you out of the world and bringing the world out of you so you look pretty and you look good sitting on a pew. He wants you to know your talents and your abilities, but he doesn't want you to just hold on to them. He wants you to use them, develop them, and put them to use in the kingdom of God. He is interested in you, and you are the ones that's going to reach this city for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not going to send angels to do it. He's not going to bring somebody else to do it. He's going to use his church. He's going to use his people. He's going to use you. 
But you just have to stand up and say, God, here I am. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And by the time... By the time this life is over, I want my life to have counted for the cause of Jesus Christ so I can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. And so the cup of praise here is that we launch into a life of service, not just to learn, but to put our gifts at work for him. And, and uh, praise is not, okay, I come on Sunday and I praise him. No, no, that's worship. Praise is the glory that you give him with your life. It's on the job, Monday through Friday or whatever. It's in the neighborhood. It's with your coworkers. It's with your family. You live the life and not just live it, but you live it out in front of people and, and they see what is happening in your life in salt and light like the song said tonight that we talked about, okay? Now... I, I, just, I just feel like that I need to uh, somehow just, just impress this upon your mind here tonight. Now, when we come out of Egypt, we're different. We're different. We don't think like an Egyptian. We don't talk like an Egyptian. We don't look like an Egyptian. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are called out and separated unto him. So when we come out of the world, remember, we, we come out and take on the characteristics and the traits of our Heavenly Father. Now, the deal is here, cup number one, we drink of that cup in salvation. We come out of Egypt. Now the Bible says, therefore, leaving, leaving the fundamental doctrines of faith. I'm sorry, it just it slipped my mind here. But let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation from repentance of dead works but the faith toward God. He's saying, don't hang up here. Don't keep going back over. Now, sister, why don't you pull that scripture up for me? Somebody back there. Therefore, leaving uh, principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on, therefore, under perfection. So, he says, don't always spend your time on this cup, just drinking of this cup of salvation. You know, some people never get past that. They're always staying right there vacillating in and out of the church, getting lukewarm, getting cold, and saying, well, and, and you know, I've got them in our church. It seems like, I forget which one's the microphone. <laughs> People in our church, some of them, they're forever. I've been there 30 years. Some of them still, it's just about them and the altar. But I've tried to, to train them. Get your mind off of yourself. You have been here for years. You need to be praying with somebody else. You need to be encouraging somebody else. Don't always have to be encouraged yourself. But get with somebody else encourage them. Because when you encourage somebody else, it's going to help you as much or more than it's going to help them. And so, do we have that scripture yet? Okay, they're still looking. 
Here we go. Therefore, there, I got it. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Let us go on. They didn't stop just when they got in the land of Canaan or, or in the wilderness, but they went on. Therefore, Paul said, let us go on unto perfection, not like again, the foundation of repentance. Don't just have, live a life where you're always having to repent. Get victory over sin. Get victory over the problems. Of, and get up and be a mature child of God. Not only in the foundation of repentance from dead works. And of faith toward God. Let's go on. Next one. Of the doctrines of baptism. Somewhere you've got to get it settled. you just got to get it settled. Is it settled in your mind? Don't always spend a lot of time wrestling over, over, over baptism and what's right or what's wrong about baptism. Study to show yourself unto prove unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Get in and learn and study until you say, I got it down and uh, let me go on here. And the resurrection of the dead. You know, we know there's going to be a resurrection. You don't have to be worrying about that, confused about it. And of eternal judgment. We're all going to stand before God. These are elementary. These are first steps. These are, these are the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. And when you get in there, you obey these. But after a while, you say, whoa, I'm growing up now. I'm becoming mature now. I'm not going to spend my time back here always drinking from this cup as a baby in Christ. I'm spiritually mature, and now I'm ready to leave this cup, and I'm ready to go on to this cup and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our slides here, please, our, our uh, cups. Now, deliverance. We come out of Egypt. Now, we're getting Egypt out of us. And so when we're new, we drink from this cup uh, quite a bit because now God is working a process in us. Now, uh, I think you know it, but the journey from, from Egypt to Canaan was a three-week journey. How long did it take them to get there? Forty years. Forty years. They could have gone straight across the upper part right into Canaan, but God had a problem because they murmured, they complained, they were filled with fear, they, had, they didn't have the proper faith. So God said, okay, I've got to take you to Kadesh Barnea. I've got to take you to the bitter waters of Merah. I've got to purge this stuff out of your system. Now I've got to take you to, to Mount Nebo. There you've, you, and, and I've got to take you uh, to, through the plagues. And I've got to take you through all of this. So it took God... 40 years to get the taste of Egypt out of their mouths. So much that the old generation never got it and they died off in the wilderness and God had to raise up a new generation. Now, that's up to us. If you're always casting a furtive glance back to Egypt and you're always kind of lusting for the flesh pots of Egypt, 
and you like the cucumbers and the garlic and the melons and the onions and, and just the taste of Egypt, the taste of the world, and, you're, and your heart is always there. Somewhere, sometime you're going to be pulled back there or you're going to die in the wilderness. You've got to make up your mind, I'm through with Egypt. I don't want Egypt anymore. I am not an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. I belong to God, and I'm on my way to Canaan land. I'm on my way to heaven. And so you push on, you leave all of that behind. And then, of course, deliverance here, getting Egypt out of us. But we don't stay there somewhere. You've got to get beyond that and drink of the cup of redemption. And that's restoration. And many people that were deep in sin and deep in the world, it's a long process of many years of God restoring their mind and restoring their spirit and giving back uh, or getting back the things that the devil stole from them and the world. And so that takes a little longer, and there's a lot of people here. Some people stay here, some people stay here, some people stay here, but the Bible says, let us go on unto perfection. And where God ultimately wants us to go is this final cup right here that is the cup of praise. He wants our life to be a life of praise unto Him. A life of service unto Him. God I'm no longer immature. They don't have to baby me. They don't have to step around my feelings. I'm not struggling about going to church. If the doors are open I'm going to be there. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be reading my Bible. I'm going to be living for God. I'm going to be telling somebody about God. I'm not going to just struggle all my life, living back here or here or here, but this is where God wants me to be and that's where I want to be and that's where I'm going to be in my life for Him. Come on, does anybody want to live a life of praise? Do you want your life to be a life of praise to God? Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. And so, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really cutting through a lot of things here. You know, at our church, you know how we define success at Abundant Life Church? Here's the way we define success. Not by how many pray through, not by how many is on the pew. We define success like this. When people are moving from where they are to where God wants them to be, and they, along with us, are drinking from the cup of praise. Right there. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Let me ask you a question. Which cup are you drinking from tonight? Just look inside. We want to see the law saved and saved, delivered from their issues. The delivered discovering their purpose in life and those who have discovered their purpose living it out, living it out by being a part of a church that is making a difference in their city and in the world. Are you making a difference? Are you making a difference? Are you making a difference? Now, I'm going to bring... Four weeks of teaching to a close here. Everybody say hallelujah. Oh. One, two, three, four, five. 
What about the fifth cup? Let me let me let me talk to you just a moment about the fifth cup in closing. You can come to the instruments, please. Here we go. Matthew 26, 26. Jesus having the last supper with his disciples. And it says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Here we go. Verse number 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There's one more cup we're going to drink from. And when we drink from that cup, it's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know what the marriage supper of the Lamb is? That's where the saints of God go to be with Him. Revelation 19, 6-9, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord our God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife hath made herself ready. That's the church. That's you and I, the church. The Bible says, Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. What was the joy that was set before him? The joy that was set before him was his church. That's why he endured the cross and despised the shame. And so the church, the redeemed, are going to, after the rapture, be in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it says, let us, verse number 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife, the church, hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto them, These are the true sayings of God. You and I have been called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when we are there, if we are there, which we should be, and we sit at that long banquet table, and everything is in place, and the saints of God from all the ages, Old Testament and New Testament, sit in that long banquet hall in the kingdom of heaven and Christ at the head. We're going to take and drink from that cup. He said that I drink with you new, anew in my Father's kingdom. So we're going to sit with him and we're going to drink symbolizing and thankful and this is a a compiling of four cups salvation deliverance redemption and praise and we drink that final cup 
we're going to praise him. And the angels will begin to sing. And the angels then will fold their wings over their faces. And all of creation will bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're all going to sing, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, which was, which is, and is to come. The Lord God Almighty. But here's the key. And here's what I close with. is this. We're not going to be able to drink from that cup until we have drank from the cup of our salvation, deliverance, redemption, and praise. Then, the only exception is going to be for people who are new in church. They've just gotten in. They've just been had salvation and delivered. And the rapture takes place. They've reached their maturity. But for you and I that have been in the church for quite some time, God expects much more. He expects maturity. Would you stand with me, please? There's a great history ahead for this church. Great revival. Great growth. Under one condition. That there are enough mature saints of God to take care of the new baby babies when they come in. God is not going to allow babies to be born in an unhealthy atmosphere. Somebody's got to take care of them. So you know what? You and I have got to get off the milk. and We've got to get on the meat of the Word. Becoming mature and saying, I take ownership. I'm closing with this. It left an indelible impression upon my mind many years ago when, when we were in a lot of the transitional stages of the church and church was growing and there was a young lady there that was very involved in church and and um, she she said something to me one day. She said, Pastor, you know why we like this church? And I said, no, why? She said, because we feel like it's our church and not your church. I mean, that was an epiphany. That was like the light went on. And right there, I started, I used to have my fingerprints on everything that happened. I thought if it had to happen, I had to be a part of it. But I learned that no, no, no. There's many good, qualified, talented, passionate people sitting on pews that says, Pastor, we want to do something. We want our lives to count. I've got a ministry. And so, and so I learned training, teaching, getting them involved, turning them loose in their ministry. And the church has had great growth through the years. That's the key, folks. It's not Pastor Brown's church. It's everybody's church. But most of all, it's God's church. But he's put us in here to fulfill our calling. 
Where are you at? If I were to ask you, what cup are you drinking from? What would you say? What would you say? Now, the different question is, what cup would you like to be drinking from? That's the question. Praise God.